0: you're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to STM Live. My name is Aaron. I am your host, and I dropped an entire cup of coffee on the floor about 30 seconds ago. I'll deal with it tomorrow, though, because tonight we have a fantastic show, lined up uh more guests than we've ever had on stage at any one time and we're gonna get right into that right after a few announcements we are just a couple of weeks away guys from the live stream uh Sorry, that was a terrible sentence from the Kickstarter live stream that's happening on February 1st to kick off the 2024 Kickstarter campaign. We've been showing off a bunch of the cool rewards that Kickstarters will have exclusive access to on our social channels this week, uh, including the poster for Dogman Territory, Werewolves in the Land Between the Lakes, and the hardcover edition, which we dropped today of Hunting Grounds, Dogmen of the Lakes, which is a book I happen to be writing. Uh, We have a new episode of The Lore You Know available right now On your favorite podcasting platform Featuring Heidi Worley Who you will recognize from her appearances In multiple STM films Um, Heather gets through more interesting stories And crazy tales from Alaska with Heidi Than I ever could have imagined They'd get through in an hour interview It's crazy Check it out as soon as you can Speaking of podcasts We have a new one coming early this year Called House of Monsters Uh, It's a project I also happen to be involved in And we'll have more details on that for you very soon Last but not least A new episode of Bigfoot Beyond the Trail drops tomorrow for squad members, AKA YouTube channel members and worldwide on Sunday. You're not going to want to miss this one, guys. It's going to be great. Speaking of squad members, we do have a few folks to shout out real quick. Chadwick Triplett, Gracie Daniel, and Cheryl Nepper. Thank you so much for joining the squad. You can join the squad at this YouTube channel. It's super easy, super quick. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're gonna get right into things, folks. Um, I know you're gonna have a ton of questions for our panel tonight. Please throw those questions in the chat. We'll do our best to get to everybody. But without further ado, please join me in welcoming Mr. Eli Watson, Mr. Chris Spencer, Mr. Todd Hale, and Ms. Rebecca Slick of the Olympic Project. Welcome guys, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> and then there's just, no, Thank you for absolutely. having us. Of course, of course. I know that everybody watching tonight, just looking at who's already in the chat, has been excited to have you guys up here for a long time. I've been seeing a lot of comments like, get this person, get that person. All of your names have come up. So I can't tell you how excited I am to have you all. So we've talked a lot about the Olympic project on the road to discovery live after shows so far, but of course, this is the first time we've had any of you here. So could we just kind of really quickly, could everybody introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what you do with the Olympic project?
2: Yeah, I'm Spencer. I do a lot of everything in the field, but mainly focus on audio. Rebecca's going to sit there.
3: Oh, I was going to let you guys go. <laughs>
0: it's like, maybe I should have asked somebody, Rebecca, would you tell us a little more about what you do? <laughs> maybe I should do my job and host the show. No, that's,
3: <laughs> that's fine. I didn't, if there was a time delay, I didn't want to step over anybody either. So hi, I'm Rebecca. Good. I uh, follow the guys around with a camera and Eli's been making it look awesome. So <laughs> I've um, been excited to work with you guys. It's been really great. I'm nervous if you can't tell. No,
0: (laughs) you're good. I'm nervous before these things every week. This is the 21st time I've done this show. So no, we're all in the same boat. (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Hale.
4: Yeah, my name is Todd Hale. I'm a field researcher.
0: That's basically it. Fantastic. And Mr. Eli Watson, just in case somebody doesn't know who you are, which seems unlikely.
1: Hi, I'm Eli Watson. And you're listening to Cryptic Campfire. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to welcome my guests today. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how far I should go with that bit. I'm, I guess I'm a filmmaker here at Small Town Monsters. So that's, that's... I film and I edit. <laughs> Make and that's films. What I do. I, mean, I also you- want to say that Todd Todd Hale... He is a field researcher, but he is also the most important member of the team. And although I'm contractually obligated to say Chris Spencer is my favorite researcher, the truth is Todd Hale is.
4: (laughs) That's ridiculous. Okay.
0: (laughs) So I'd I'd like to know, I know the audience would like to know a little more about how you guys got involved in this kind of research. So, I'm going to kick it out there to whoever wants to answer this question first. What got you started working with the Olympic Project? Also, Shane Corson is in the audience. Shout out to Shane, who says that Chris, Rebecca, and Todd are the best. Not Eli,
1: though. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, Shane should hop in and say that to my face. <laughs> Send him a
0: link. He's more than welcome.
1: <laughs> I think Rebecca
4: should go first every time. Yes, Rebecca <clears throat> yeah, go first. Go ahead. No, follow
0: You guys in the
3: woods, you guys can go first. It's okay. <laughs> they clear the way, way of bears and everything for me. So <laughs>
0: We'll start with Chris. How did you, Chris, how did you get on this, this very interesting path that you're on?
2: Oh, long road. Um, I've talked about it so many different times, but I've had an interest my whole life. Uh, Born and raised here in Washington State. So I knew of the Bigfoot phenomena at a very young age. Um, had some interesting things happen. And in 20, oh, 2013, me and my son had an experience on a camping trip. And I basically consciously said, I'm going to actually go out and look for evidence of these things. I had been listening to some podcasts. Podcasts were kind of new to me back then. i had heard Shane Corson and Derek Randles and David Ellis speaking on these podcasts. And I really liked listening to all of them and what they had to say. And it just, as I progressed in my own research, I met David and Shane and Derek. And in 2017, I was officially invited to be a member of the Olympic Project.
0: 2017. So you've been doing this hard data collection, at least with this group, for six years now, going on seven.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's wild, dude. I mean, I I was working in an area by myself. Well, not by myself. A good friend of mine, uh, Gerald Mills and Ryan Williams, they were going in there with me. My son, of course. And me and Shane had been in contact since 2015. I'd actually done a public expedition with the olympic project in 2015 and so i was in contact with them I, I talked to david mainly in the beginning um he helped me out out a lot with audio and he continues to help me out a lot with audio and uh it just kind of developed from there very cool very cool
0: todd rebecca go ahead rebecca
3: Let's see. I first came out to visit Washington and went on a expedition with the Olympic project in 2016 and, uh, got to go to a couple other expeditions with them. And then somewhere along the line, there became member and got to go to the nest and fell, fell into getting able to research there. And it's just been amazing ever since. I don't know what else to
0: <laughs> No, I mean <laughs> that was a very succinct explanation.
3: <laughs> You're gonna have... I mean, Chris is probably sitting there like this is the least she's ever talked.
0: <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> I mean, live shows are weird, you know. You're always like, Oh wow, there's a camera in my face. <clears throat> no, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Mr. Hale, what about you?
4: I've pretty much been into it my whole life since I was a kid with uh in search of and Different TV shows, movies. Um, I read some books when I was a kid. I had a very, very possible sighting in '86 when I was 15, and um, I act- actively started going out and looking for these things in 2008. I had I had uh, I used to report or uh, print out BFRO reports. And different reports offline from like 2000 and i mean 1995 and i would go to different locations in southern california in the mountains and you know hike around walk around see if i thought it was possible that these things were there but when i actually started trying to meet people and specifically going out on trips with the sole purpose of looking for sasquatch that would have been started in 2008. Moved to Washington in 2015. Uh, I got hooked up with the Olympic Project in 17, and here we are.
0: Fantastic! I remember first hearing about you guys in um, uh, on the trail of Bigfoot, the discovery, or one of the one of the on the trail movies. They all run together for me. Uh, and just being like, nobody else is doing this like this. Nobody else is collecting this kind of data, cataloging it this way. You know, a lot of what we see when it comes to Bigfoot research, at least that's widely circulated. is a lot of shaking cameras and people screaming and, and dramatic cuts that don't lead to anything. You guys don't do that. And I know that's something that our audience really appreciates, something people like me and Eli really appreciate. And I had a question that was going to tack onto that, and I forgot what it was. So just wanted to throw that out there. I did, before we get too far, I want to make sure I say this tonight. Rebecca, I'm right there with you on the rocks. I collect rocks all the time. <laughs> drives my family crazy. But I just you're not alone, and I think you should keep collecting rocks. Oh, okay. thank you.
2: <laughs>
0: Speaking of collecting
1: way. rocks, I don't usually collect rocks, <clears throat> but I had to pick this one up. Uh, this is from New Mexico, from a UFO crash site. So, just thought... White rock. It's a white rock. Well, it, it is but, a
2: white rock. You know? mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't mean... The aliens didn't turn it white, but I just thought it would be cool to take something since the UFO's not there anymore, you know, to be able to do this and be like, look, this is my rock from UFO. That's the only reason I got this rock.
0: I do the same thing. I have a whole (laughs) bucket of them. (laughs) Rocks are great, folks. Thanks for tuning in to STN Live. That was that was no. I'm just kidding. We do have some questions rolling in. So uh, as audience questions come in, guys, I'll throw them up on the screen. Whoever has an answer is welcome to jump in. If a few seconds go by, I'll just pick somebody. So (laughs) Chena Productions asks, do you continue the project all
2: year or are there months that you hang back? Um, The last two years while I was doing my audio project, no, we were we were in there at least once a month, usually more. But prior to that, when the uh, nests were st- first found, Derek and Shane um, and John Pickering and James Million, they did a lot of exploring on the initial discovery, found the other nests uh, besides the original discovery. And then they did pull back. They, wanted, they didn't want to disturb the area, um, so really for a, a good five, six years, the original nest ravine that we're working, they left alone, um, just because they didn't know if these animals were going to come back or not. And, um, when we came in, I think it was 2020, uh, we, Shane and Todd had just started doing some more exploring and they weren't in the original nest ravine when they made the discovery of the new nest. So. That told us at least to me, it, it told me that, and the rest of the group that, uh, basically they're, they're building these nests for a reason and they're not building them all the time. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the same place. Um, the property, the original nest site is on is thousands of acres and there are hundreds of ravines that have yet to be explored. Um, There could be nests in multiple ravines on this property so yeah a long-winded answer is they'd been the area had been left alone for quite a while before we started going in the last two years we were in there pretty hardcore just because it's time to collect some data and actually this year we pulled back i finished my two-year project and um, i pulled out all my audio and my cameras uh, in december and uh, we'll redeploy probably next month uh, around end of February, beginning of March. Kind of let things cool off and see if there's any changes. Can't hear you.
0: That's cause I muted myself, so uh-huh. taking <laughs> taking kind of a short step back, but not really stopping the project at any time. It's no, like.
2: we, no, we'll be. We'll be exploring other other ravines. There's actually a particular ravine uh, north of the original nest ravine that we're going to be doing some exploring in. And we will be exploring the original, two original ravines as well. So,
1: so wait, Chris, would that make that closer? Would that ravine be closer then to, would that be closer to Forks or further away from it? Closer.
2: Actually, yeah, literally it is closer.
0: <clears throat> yep. I don't know what Eli's like. But as at. Shane, as
2: Shane commented <laughs> in the comments, this is a year round thing for us. We're we're doing stuff year round. If we're not out there, we are making plans for what we're gonna do when we're next out there. <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah, work never stops, it sounds like.
0: We do have a question for Rebecca from Helen Gale Townsend, who is a squad member. Thank you, Helen. Uh, Rebecca, how is it being with the guys on the investigations? And this is live. I can't edit it out, but you can Uh say whatever you want. So.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Todd's already laughing because he knows. Well, uh let's see. I've learned a lot more cuss words uh, <laughs> you know, it's actually I don't sometimes I don't even realize I'm just hanging out with guys I mean maybe it's just because we hang out so much hiking around you just you just become one of the group and I don't know i, I it's not really the answer you're looking for <laughs> <laughs>
0: It you just, can just be like, it's good. No.
3: It's, <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, but they're a good group of guys. And it's been really cool hanging out with them. And yeah, like I said, I, I don't really know how to explain it. Well, I think they forget I'm a girl out there sometimes. Anyway.
2: She yells at us sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she do all the time. Because yeah. you don't it's, listen. She's like a it, little sister sometimes out there. She's always filming and she's always looking for great shots. And then <laughs> there's an F bomb by Todd in the background, and it really makes her mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: If not Todd, then Chris.
2: Or me. So, yeah. It's either me well, or Todd. Todd does there's, it on
3: purpose. Chris, it's involuntary. Todd, Todd does it to get me upset. So <laughs> he knows i'm not good at editing yet so it's just that much more to do
0: he just wants to give you stuff to practice with
1: yep maybe <laughs> <laughs> He's a <good> big brother.
3: <laughs>
1: even i've struggled to cut around todd's cussing so you don't make it easy todd um <laughs> but i, I do want to say one thing i actually did cut out from this episode Directly relates to this question and it's when everyone was examining the breaks the huckleberry breaks and uh, Shane Todd and Chris go off on their own and Rebecca's hanging back and Rebecca's filming and so she's hanging back Picking huckleberries and eating them and she goes, you know the great thing about this Is that they treat you so much as e- as an equal that they'll just leave you out in the woods by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: a fact. Yeah. Well, that, you know, (laughs) what's funny is
3: that
2: that day. And I don't know um, if it came across in the episode, but these huckleberry breaks, we're talking about going, there were trails of these breaks for a hundred yards plus winding its way around. So I mean we were all kind of investigating different break trails Um, i've seen
4: in the comments there it's just bears
2: yeah yeah but it it was it was um, it was not just a a couple spots these were actually trails you could follow breaks along and they would they went to the one ravine basically where we found them was a crossing point from one ravine to the next ravine and they wound through, the, they just kind of meandered through the Huckleberry. And there was, there was at least three or four trails in that one particular spot. Shane had actually found another trail uh, prior to us coming up, not far away from there either. And it was winding along the ravine. So it wasn't like a one-off spot. This was like animals moving through and just blazing a trail, as, breaking Huckleberry as they moved through. And as I suggested. I'm positive. Well, I believe strongly that they were eating the huckleberries and discarding the branches that they broke off that had huckleberries on them as they went.
0: That's really interesting. We've had a lot of questions on this show, especially since Road to Discovery started airing about the dietary habits and how they might move you know, in relation to food sources. So it's interesting that we see more of that in this episode. It's cool to hear you guys comment on it. Uh, We do have a question for Todd. Let's see. I saw there were two of them. Where'd the other one go? Oh, here it is. Mr. Dollar Store Gloves asks, Todd, how close do you think whatever was building the nest got to you and Shane? Oh. Um, I assume he's talking about when
4: we walked in on that one. Oh, geez. Closer than 30 yards, I would imagine. We just couldn't see it because of the huckleberry and the brush. I I actually would have to get a tape measure and measure it. I'm just estimating in my head. 30 yards seems to be a, a good threshold. I've experienced these things uh, thirty two for a fact, 32 yards away. A buddy of mine's had him about 30 yards away. I think that is a good number. I don't know why that's a good number that they seem to keep their distance from you. And that just pops in my head. Just thinking of where we found that trail beginning to where we were standing. You just couldn't
0: see it. That's too the close. That's too close for me. That's why I host <laughs> this show. <clears throat> I ain't going out trying to do what you guys do. No, but no, that's, that's a good question. Here's a quick one. I think everybody can answer, and then we have maybe a not so quick one that also everybody can answer. But uh, Mark Halliday asks: Is anybody going to Squatch Fest? I'm I'm not.
4: I'm always there.
0: Every year. Todd's going. Yeah. They
3: they
4: have a beer garden there too. When is it? (laughs) End of this month, 20th. Yeah, you should come
3: up for it, Eli. Uh,
4: maybe. It's one of my favorite events, <laughs> you know, because you're coming out of the holidays and and nothing's really going on. And then right here at the end of January, everyone gets together. It's like the, it kicks off the year. Then we start
2: hitting the nests again. So it's fun. We live five minutes from it, too. So, <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Very cool. It looks like the Bigfoot influencers will be there as well. So, yeah, you guys, uh, everybody go Squash Fest. Go meet all these nice folks. Maybe Eli, uh, Mr. Dollar <laughs> Store Gloves, Mr. Dollar Store Gloves pitched this question to Chris, but I would actually like to hear from everybody on this one. Um, Chris, what past alleged Bigfoot audio evidence influenced you, uh, such as the Ohio Howl, Sierra sounds or whatever that was recorded on the original In Search of, or something else?
2: You know, the, for the audio, I got into it because I um, I listened to a podcast David Ellis did. And he was talking about putting um, or carrying a recorder in the woods and putting it out there overnight. And, and it, it just really sounded like a cool idea to me because I'm like, of course, you could throw it out there somewhere where, you know, there's no people and see what happens. And I was curious just to see see what's making noise at night. And hands down, I've learned more about the area I've grown up in. By doing this, than than being out there hiking during the day, animals make crazy sounds. I mean, the known animals do, and um, it's been a it's been a fun experience for me. Uh, honestly, I, I of course I want to get our target subjects on audio, but I enjoy listening to the coyotes, the different owls. I mean, I really like getting any species of owl other than a barred owl. I love that when I get a different species of owl. Um, and just you know, some of the uh, I've got some cougar screams, I got bobcats yelling at each other, raccoons fighting. I mean, just all that crazy stuff that I would never have come across if I hadn't started this. And it, it wasn't that I, I heard Sierra sounds or any of the Bigfoot audio that's been put out in the past that got me into it, just the, the thought of putting a recorder out in the woods. When no, one, no one's around, when there's no humans around and seeing what makes noise, that actually appealed to me in 2013 or so. And I've kind of run run with it since. I hope to that, top, yeah.
0: Eli, anybody?
1: No, no. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> so say so you got to take a pass too. You know, I just want to give everybody a chance to answer.
1: Um. (laughs) yeah i don't know i i don't i i'm not an audio guy so i'm I'm not like chris spencer i'm not as cool of a researcher as chris spencer or todd hale
2: yeah yeah the i was rereading the question (laughs) so um I'd heard, I heard the Ohio howl and I'd heard the Sierra sounds before I actually started doing it. I'll be honest, I, I was very much leaning towards not liking the Sierra sounds at all. The Ohio howl intrigued me. But since then, um, I think the Sierra sounds are legit because I've recorded some things very similar. I know people people I work, work with people I've met, uh, have experienced them themselves. Rebecca's experienced them. Um, so yeah, as far as, you know, when I got into the audio, it, it wasn't because I'd heard these other Sasquatch reported Sasquatch sounds. It was, um, more just out of curiosity. Um,
1: Yeah, I, you know, you talk about that. I played one of those audio files that kind of sounds like the Sierra sounds. Yeah. And yeah. in the previous episode, and you, have, you make some really cool, interesting comparisons, but I didn't want to get too far into that train of thought because in case people don't know what the Sierra sounds are. And I mean, like, what I'm trying to do with this show is to cater to the widest possible audience and like really take my time and explain things like the only expected knowledge I have for people going into this show is to have a basic understanding of what Sasquatch is supposed to be right like an upright bipedal creature Um, so and if you're doing that I mean people don't know what the Sierra sounds are (laughs) <laughs> people don't know what that is. So I would I would have wanted to take my time and explain what that was and I was like well, this takes us too far away from the main the main story that I'm telling here cuz the Sierra sounds in and of themselves could be a whole episode. Yeah. And I would like to interview Ron. But I almost did once. I almost did. There, there's a there's a story behind that but I'm not going to go there.
0: So. It still happened, you know. You're young. But... I, he's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: we did have a question from Metallica 4567. Uh Chris, what's your take on this year sounds but Chris provided a, a an answer on that so I just want to acknowledge that question.
2: Yeah, I I can just say that for a long time, I was very much on the fence with them. And then I captured some myself, some something similar, at least. But then something not long ago, or a year or two ago, I was talking with uh, Managa Hala And he pointed out some things about the Sierra sounds that I never thought of before. And one thing is included in those, in that audio are whoops, there are knocks. These are all overwhelmingly accepted by most researchers as Sasquatch activity. Uh, The Sierra sounds themselves are a close communication. They're not meant for long distance. And I would say 95% of what we record, people who go out and actively record for possible Sasquatch sounds, 95% of what they record is distant stuff stuff that's meant for distant communication so in order to capture you know people always say well no one else has captured anything like that before and some people have i know monogahela has some examples of similar stuff a lot of people have heard it a lot of uh, people who've had sasquatch experiences have heard it and recognize it including rebecca Um, the reason it doesn't get recorded very often is because the animals have to be close to the recorder. And it just happened in Ron's case. The animals were very close to them when they made those sounds, so it doesn't surprise me that it doesn't get recorded very often. Um, and that's you know, who knows? That's that's where I'm at with it today. And that's the other thing. I don't close the door on any sound, and I'm you know everything's a hypothesis. Everything is just an opinion right now. And if I find evidence that will lead me to another, um, another explanation, I'm more than willing to go with that other explanation if it's valid. So.
0: Very cool. Thank you for that question, Metallica. Always good to see you. Uh, another regular viewer, regular commenter, Michael Tovar from Austin, Texas asks, uh, trail cameras is to hopefully capture a Sasquatch, but what else have you all seen on the cameras that made each of you go, whoa, that you can say? Assuming maybe there's stuff you can't talk about. I don't know. (laughs) Great question, Michael. Always good to see you. Rebecca, you want to, whoever, whoever has something, I can't, I'm sure you guys have a lot of weird stuff you've seen.
3: Well, I, I did want to mention that, although, I mean, we're hopeful that we could get a Sasquatch on one of the cameras. That's not the original goal because the odds of that are going to be less than the other wildlife in the area, so uh, that's why we put them so close to the ground. I know a lot of people have complained about that in comments, and <laughs>
0: there
3: there is a reason for it. We're not just trying to tick people off or you know waste time. Uh,
0: this will get them. <laughs> I'd
3: rather I'd rather get a whole bunch of random animals and then possibly get Bigfoot's feet going by than get absolutely nothing ever it, it just depends on where you have it uh, but yeah we've we've gotten even chris has gotten just mice birds you just you get little teeny animals and it's something rather than nothing and it paints a picture too like with a sound uh with the uh, sound study you're you're getting animals that oh like hi uh, you're getting <laughs> animals on <laughs> camera that you wouldn't know were there. Uh,
0: How did you do that? That I, was so it, perfectly timed.
3: She senses. She's weird.
0: <laughs>
2: She's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, like, I learned a long time ago if I want to get pictures of predators, you want them down lower. Because if you have your camera up four or five feet, you know, a cougar, bobcat, coyote's going to walk right underneath that sensor. Uh, and so I I like getting predator pictures. I love getting bobcats and coyote and cougar and bear and stuff, and it works better if your camera's down lower. They're more apt to trigger it. Of course, a bear might come up and eat your camera anyway, so...
1: Well, I just wonder, too, (laughs) sorry, about the setting trail cameras high up in the trees. I mean, that just makes it openly visible for anything. I mean if a Sasquatch is seven feet tall and you're setting your trail camera seven feet high to try to get them at eye level, they're going to see it and they're probably right. not going to walk in front of it.
4: Right. The so, craziest uh, thing i have seen on cameras, the cameras have been two feet or lower.
2: Yeah. I got some weird stuff from the original nest site the first year. I, was, I mm-hmm. still don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? And it occurred on a night that I was getting suspect audio too. So, you never told me about this. The other video we
4: know about this camera was on
2: a trailer bumper. It was really yeah. low. Yeah, Shane got got some weird stuff on his camera, and he had it. He had the camera on his uh, camper trailer in a wheel well, so it was part of the vehicle. <clears> and something <throat> walked by. That's made us all go, "Wow!" <laughs>
0: now, when How you say, you say something. <laughs>
2: Whatever it was was walking on two legs but it walked so close to the camera though it, it was a bushnell and those are with bushnells a lot of times if you walk too close you'll get a flashback it'll white out on you and whatever this was you see two legs and you see an arm but it's whited out walks by the uh, camera can't can't don't know what it is, but it was on two two legs. And when Shane did his recreation, he was a lot smaller than it. And it's not mm. wearing clothes, that's for sure. And it's not wearing clothes. Right. So. <laughs> no. It's very quick, but it's there. Shane should be here to tell that one. Yeah, where's Shane? The, the he's hiding. He's sitting fire? by a fire? Yeah.
4: He <laughs> wanted Rebecca to
2: do the show.
0: we'll get him up here one day hopefully i don't know we'll try uh (laughs) here's a fun question and this actually comes up a lot on this show i see a lot in comments um curious as to what your guys's take is on this would you shoot a bigfoot if you saw one and that's from our friend metallica four five six seven
2: it it depends if it's if it's threatening me yeah i'm gonna shoot it (laughs) but um I'm not actively looking to shoot one. I don't think you could get away with it in this state, anyways. So. Oh yeah, isn't there a law on it? They they passed a. I mean, of course, everyone's heard of the Sk- Skamania County law, but there's a statewide law they passed in Washington a couple years ago that basically makes it illegal to shoot any unidentified animal. That never
4: really concerned me. If I was going to shoot one, I'd just do it. Yeah. Depends when you ask me. These days, probably not. A few years ago, absolutely.
0: You hear different arguments on this. You hear that that's the only way we're going to prove these things exist, but then there's also You know an environmental concern like how many of these things are there do we really want to risk taking one out so i think that's always a really interesting question
2: there's huge logistics to go into it too (laughs) so Mm -hmm. yeah how are you gonna move this thing from some isolated you're talking about yeah you're talking about an animal that's bigger than any other animal in washington and the firearms we carry that people see us carrying I'm carrying mine for other people (laughs) because I don't trust other people. Um, It's not big enough for what we're talking about. If say we were in the bottom of one of those
4: ravines and you were able to get one, what are you going to do with it? It's hard enough to climb out of the ravine with nothing on your back. (laughs) There's, there's
2: so much to think about. You got to get the knives out, but then you got to worry about the other ones. No. Like I said, they're never alone.
0: Dang. <laughs> that was a great answer. Ooh. Well, we do have actually kind of a follow-up question to that extent. Um, Sandwich Savant, who kicked a little support towards the channel. Thank you, Sandwich Savant. How would you handle finding a body if you guys ran across one?
2: <laughs> oh. Depends on where it is, but take as much as I could, and if that means I got to cut it up, I would. I mean, I, I, it's document, of course, video, photograph everything you can around it, and then get it out of there as quick as possible. (laughs) And then take
4: the pieces into different locations. Mm -hmm. That that plan was. We thought about that. (laughs) That plan was in place when I was in California in the Sierras. Mm -hmm. Over 10 years ago.
0: You say taking pieces to different locations. Do you mean to prevent them from disappearing? Yeah. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. the conspiracy angle
1: here. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do I get one? Sure. You're kind of far away. (laughs) Are you going to fly up there?
2: If you're with us. (laughs) Okay.
0: I'll give you a finger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Jimmy Stewart only had a hand. So, thank you so much, Savannah. That was Jimmy
1: Stewart. Only had a finger,
2: actually, if I recall correctly. <clears throat> oh, took... the Yeti. Yeah, they, they smuggled the, the hand the out or something, and it ended up being a I can't remember what it was. It was not the Yeti, it was something else. I think it was part of a goat or something.
1: No, what it, it no. came back, the results came back as human, but they say it was contaminated by Peter Burns. Because what happened was Peter Byrne's the one who smuggled it out. When I talked to Byrne about that, he said he had uh, purchased a piece of the hand. So he got, I think, two fingers and then took them down to Calcutta, where Jimmy Stewart famously hid them in his wife's undergarments, and they flew it back Mm -hmm. to the UK where they had it DNA-studied. And it came back as human, but specifically, I think they said it was Peter Burns' DNA. So who knows?
2: Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking of the skull cap. I think the skull cap was some kind of goat. It was a goat, yeah.
1: Yeah, I got real into that story for a while. That's an interesting story. It is.
0: It is. You got Tom Slick involved down in San Antonio with all the money and everything. It's great yeah. stuff. Yeah. So you could go a long way with a finger, I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jimmy Stewart and the the middle finger. Yeah.
0: <laughs> A new film from Universal Pictures. Um, so going back to <laughs> trail cameras, Laurie Gibbs, another of our regular uh, friends on this show. So I have heard Bigfoot take down trail cameras. What do you guys think about that?
2: Uh, I don't think they get close enough. I think they spot them and they avoid them. I know bears take them down.
4: Unless she's talking about from behind with a stick or just uh, knocking them down, period, but I haven't experienced that.
3: In yeah. my experience, it's just been bears. We've had some angry squirrels before try to take stuff down, but
2: I had a camera with two hundred and fifty pictures of one squirrel one time. Because I put the camera on a tree that he considered his, and he hated that camera. He was all over that camera. <laughs> Just spends all his time trying to destroy it. Like, Yeah, he was all
0: over <laughs> He's not at all prepared for the winter because he's so hung up on this camera.
2: <laughs> and when I picked the camera up, he was in the tree screaming at me. And pine cones were dropping down on my head when I was Should taking the out. camera <laughs> off the freaking tree i love I'm not that. being serious
0: i've seen squirrels do that i believe it i believe it
2: <clears throat> <laughs> i've been charged by many a squirrel actually
0: <laughs> also what the gun is for no just kidding <laughs> Great question, Lori. Thank you. I learned something about squirrels. Um, Mark Sin asks, and this one is another one for everybody. What are y'all's thoughts on the Patty footage? I think we're talking about the Patterson Gimlin film.
2: That's a Sasquatch, in my opinion. I had, like I've discussed in the film and other places, I had Grover Krantz as my college professor in 92, spring of 92 and he did one lecture um, on the subject per semester and in his lecture he actually played the film on a projector Uh, he had like a third generation copy that was the first time i viewed the film that way and it was a better version than what i ever saw on the tv and he explained why why he felt that was a real animal and by the time i walked out of that lecture i was completely convinced that that was a real animal can you repeat what he said in his lecture like no word for
1: word? For
2: <laughs> that was one of those times i wish right now i had had a little cassette recorder <clears throat> i have the notes in a box somewhere but I mean, it's like I had no idea who he was. I didn't know he had anything to do with Vic, but He was just my Anthropology 101 teacher. And uh, but after that class, man, it changed my whole perspective on the subject, really, because up to that point, I was like my dad always said the Patterson Gimlin film was a guy in a suit. Um, I I wouldn't say I didn't think they could exist, but I was definitely more convinced after that. Uh, lecture that there was actually something to it because here you had an accredited actual scientist saying yes they're real and that really impressed impressed me
0: those notes need to be in a book dude that's so cool
2: I should go find them they're probably all moldy they're in the garage or something (laughs) very cool
0: anybody want to add anything to that
1: I think it's real
4: I've always thought it was real. Um, you have to look at the ground it covers in the time. It's walking yeah. faster than you would imagine.
1: Well, yes. what opened my eyes up to it too, and maybe Todd could add to this. But like being there in the spot where it happened, because you're you're so used to just seeing, you know, the video, but then when you go there in real life, you're like. Wait, so this thing walked from here to here in a few seconds and it suddenly is like more real for you. You're like, this isn't a person in a suit. And if it was a person that, like when I'm <laughs> when I was doing mysteries and monsters running around in my Bigfoot costume, there was a lot of moments where I had to look and see where I was going. Otherwise I would trip and fall in my big fake feet. And Patty doesn't do that at all, at all. Patty never looks down so
2: the other other thing there were tracks cast with this and the tracks were cast they roger and bob cast a couple but bob Bob titmus came back i think a week and a half two weeks later and cast multiple after that and i i can't remember the exact number but there there were quite a few tracks involved with this so if to me that always just stood out okay if it's a guy in a suit and how did he leave these tracks that they're they all every track shows a dynamic living foot? They're all different. I have two copies uh myself and yes, they're relatively the same size, but they look totally different because it's a dynamic moving foot interacting with the ground and each track is gonna enter each step is gonna interact differently with that matrix, and you have that with those tracks. How is someone going to hoax that? It shows the, the the tracks themselves show a dynamic foot. It doesn't show stompers. How are you going to put a guy in a suit and stompers and leave a trackway like that while two cowboys film you? You're not going to, not back then, not now.
4: And those guys are from Yakima. They could pick anywhere in here in Washington. They could have driven <clears throat> less than fifty miles from their house. Why are they going to drive to Northern California to? film a hoax this makes no sense to me they went,
2: you know they got john green contacted roger told him hey we got we found more tracks roger wanted to go down and film tracks that's why he went down there he wasn't you know yeah he wanted to make a bigfoot documentary but that was his original goal was to go down there and film the tracks they were finding anyways we could talk about that all night
3: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think you can Oh, sorry.
2: <laughs> no, I was going to say we have on this
0: show. Yeah.
3: I was just going to add that if I, I believe it's real, but if they had faked it, they got it in one take because somebody else came in and saw a trackway and there wasn't multiple where somebody had gone through. Oh, we got to do it again. That didn't work out.
4: Mm, right. That's a good point. Has, yeah. Has anyone else seen a suit that looks like that with the movement? No, every suit they come up with, even today, looks like crap. If you ever... Had...
0: Sorry,
2: uh, go ahead. Please. I was just going to say, Isaac Tien uh, did a cleanup on that film. And when you look at his cleanup, and basically he layered multiple frames from different copies of the film. So some some frames have more detail than other frames from each film. And by layering them, he was able to bring out more detail, and it's just—you see her foot flex, you you see her breast sway. It's a real animal. I'm sorry. What
4: convinces me even more is there's some game cam footage I know of has the same exact shape. There's some thermal footage I know of, same exact shape. Yep. I'm, that's you, you have Patty the game cam footage, the thermal footage, and they look exactly the same.
0: I was going to say the Eli makes a really the,
4: the the way it leans over, the the way the shoulders go up to the head, you know, on and on.
0: So there's consistency not just in this film, but with other evidence that's out there. Yes. Interesting. That's something I think a lot of people maybe are not aware of. I was just going to say, Eli makes a really good point, because if you've ever worn any kind of a mascot costume or even just an elaborate (laughs) Halloween mask, it's very difficult to get around to do anything, never mind moving quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. through the woods. So great question, Mark Sen. Thank you so much. Um, we've got several audience questions in the queue here. We'll try to get to as many as possible, but I knew I even sit in the notes. I sent to Eli tonight. I was like, we're going to get a lot of audience questions. People are going to be super stoked to see these guys. Uh, Pedicop media. Don't know who that is. Just kidding. Hi. Hey, Alex asks. Uh, hey, everybody. Question. Favorite piece of field gear each.
2: And I have multiple favorite pieces of field equipment. <laughs> pick one audio audio recorder which one uh the olympus uh ls7 which they don't make anymore is my favorite
0: i think you talked about that in the episode before this one If i remember i did
1: i did and i I actually cut out when he explains why it's his favorite recorder again out of this episode (laughs) (laughs) thank you eli
0: are you saving that for the end? Like is that gonna be the final scene?
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's the post-credit sequence Chris just explaining why the Olympus is his favorite audio recorder multiple times.
0: Well now I gotta hear it.
2: <laughs> what? I'm, I'm not sure Rebecca
4: it now. It goes Chris, <laughs> Rebecca, and then I answer. Get get on board, Rebecca.
2: Come on, Rebecca.
3: <laughs> Todd's telling me what to do again. Um, no, Good job. <laughs> can I just say my backpack and everything in it? Cause I don't have just one favorite thing. I kind of, I don't know. I use a lot of different, a lot of different things at any given time. So, I mean, we've got the laugh at me cause I'll have the GoPro on. I've got my Canon with me. I've got the Sony, like I'll have everything kind of because everything has something that it's better at. And so I, if I leave something home, I'm going to miss it. So I don't really know if I have a favorite necessarily. And then there's always just the other kind of gear with uh, like first aid stuff and, and all that that I'm always carrying, because you'll need it if you don't have it. Um, and Todd always bleeds when we hike, so.
2: Hardcore. He
3: has got that flip in there when
4: he's bleeding.
0: Todd's answer is also Rebecca's backpack. Uh.
4: <laughs> no, my favorite piece is actually my iPhone. Yeah. Out of everything I carry, the iPhone's with me all the time. I've, uh, I've got tons of video track cat tr- not track cast, track scans that I've provided to Eli. And the, it's the simplest thing to have with you in the field.
2: I was gonna Pictures, say it's-
4: video measuring scanning. And it's right there in your pocket. Oh, you, know, you could use it for audio too. Yeah. So I love having a phone out there compared to the old days.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: You should buy multiple phones. I have multiple phones, they're just yeah, distributed changed. throughout my family. <laughs> <laughs> I, get to, I get to pay for them. <laughs>
0: on that family savings plan in Aircraft. I
1: actually, uh, when everyone's going off checking out Huckleberry Breaks, uh, I, Rebecca captured this very candid conversation between yourself, Todd, and Rebe- and you, Rebecca, and you're describing <laughs> how the rotation of phones works in your family. <laughs> yeah you want to talk about that? that's boring that's boring for me <laughs> well i, I cut it out of the episode it was it was a good 2 minutes of talking about how it always rotates and how you want the iphone 13 cuz that was new at the time you'll have now to put, put that, that in 16.
3: like an yeah. extra or something
0: i was going to say we're going to need either a director's cut or a deleted scenes roll or something because i keep hearing about all this stuff that's going on That we have. Oh, you have no
4: idea. Eli doesn't even film everything. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tired.
0: We could have a whole like reality show where it's just you guys messing with each other. I think that's just wait till
1: the next episode. There's a whole night and a half that will never be (laughs) talked about publicly.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I need all the B roll footage. I'm going to burn it.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Great question, Alex. Thank you. (laughs) A couple more here that I want to make sure we get to. We are running out of time, but Samwise Gamgee asks an interesting one that I do see come up in comments a lot. Um, Could you get saliva from the discarded branches? Oral swabs are utilized in genetic testing kits. And I do see this question come up a lot with regards to getting DNA evidence from the branches and the nests. So I'm curious as to what you guys have on that.
2: By the time we find it, it's it's old. Yeah, those were fresh, but it was raining that day. So we don't know when those were made. We we know they're probably made sometime between the time Shane had been out there and that day, which would have been over a week. So we don't know when they were made. And I don't know how long saliva is going to last on a branch that's being literally poured on day in, day in, out. Because that particular time of year, it's raining. A lot. I've seen a
4: lot of comments about DNA on different film, you know, different uh, releases from me, like DNA, DNA. It's like, a, ugh, it's a hot word. People uh, forget how much it costs. Who's going to pay for it? That's my yes. question. Every time, even at conferences, I said, who's going to pay? I'm not going to pay. This is all Wait. self-funded. I'm not rich. I don't have a donor. If they, if the people in the comments want to pay, just send me a check. We'll get it tested.
2: We could crowdfund this. Yeah. <laughs> we do. I mean, I know Shane has one. I have one. Uh, DNA kits. If we come across something that's obviously brand new and fresh, yeah, we're going to do our due diligence and try to collect it. But, I mean, thus far, we haven't recently found anything that would warrant such a warrant something like that.
0: I did have a question for you guys kind of along what you just said, Todd. Um, and maybe, I don't know, I should have put this in the notes I sent you, but anyone who's watching road to discovery, who's been following what you guys are doing, how can we best support your guys's work? Is there a donation website you guys have set up? Should we just keep circulating? The information you put out there how can we best support we're we're
2: self-funded i i don't want i don't want to take anybody's money um and i know todd and shane are on the same page as me Is when you start taking money you're beholden to someone whether they say so or not so yeah we don't we don't take donations
0: Dang, that's an integrity move, dude. That's cool.
2: <laughs> and we, we don't get paid a dime for doing these with Eli. We just like Eli and like having him out with us to showcase that's, what we do do. I've been
4: asked so many times how much money we're making from the yeah. films or the show and I'm like nothing. We're losing
2: money. I lose a week's I, worth
4: of work. I definitely lose money every time I take off work to go film. Uh, Bigfooting costs me money. That's just a fact. I make no money on anything having to do with Bigfoot. It costs me thousands of dollars a year <laughs> easily. I do it. We do it because we love it. And people want to complain in the comments. Why are we doing this or why are we doing that? I don't know. Go do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I do whatever I want. <laughs>
0: No, I think that's really cool. And it really speaks to the authenticity. I think that really speaks to the authenticity of what you guys do. Because, you know, like kind of what I mentioned earlier, there is a lot of inauthenticity in this field or what's purported to be in this field. You know, I think a lot of it's just for entertainment, but what you guys do is very, very different. So hats off to you for that, for sure. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Absolutely. A
4: lot, a lot of suggestions at different conferences we've been to, or um, in the chats or comments. A lot of the stuff people have asked in the past, we've thought of it, done it, or tried it. On top of that, so yeah, you can't, <clears throat> you can't respond to all these people. I, I certainly don't. I, I read some of the comments, but I'm not going to respond. It's, I don't have the time so
0: it can know, be a why moment, don't you do, this? You, know? why
4: didn't you do that it's <laughs> most of the times we have done it or tried it it's been years and years of this stuff
0: so interesting yeah, I think yeah, a lot of saying, oh, no I was just going to say when I hear DNA being a layperson that doesn't do the kind of work you guys do I think like you know Jurassic Park and it's that's not how it works so <laughs> that's just me that's just me
1: yeah why don't you guys find some DNA and then grow one in a lab. Then you could study it.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. You could have a baby Bigfoot. (laughs) Okay.
3: We'll have Cod raise it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you can add them onto your iPhone rotation plan. That'd be awesome.
0: we're going to take a couple more questions guys, and then we're going to wrap up for the night. If that's okay. Um, Interesting question from Matt, Matt's tube of you and other of our regular viewers, not into conspiracy theories, but does anyone think between logging company investment in areas of sightings and liability claims on the government based on the 411 case file, there's a possibility of a cover-up? I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys have thoughts on, on, this there's a lot of stuff i don't know anything about in this question
2: i don't think that there's this huge conspiracy but i do believe there are people in the logging companies that are aware of these things i believe there are people in our government that are aware of these things but i don't think it's a i don't think it's a huge conspiracy i think you know some people encounter them and Keep it to themselves or keep it hush hush but i don't think there's a huge conspiracy i'm i'm sure there are people in the warehouser company that are aware of these things so i mean the the property the nests are on that we're studying is owned by a timber company the owner of that timber company had an experience years ago or a, a relative of his did so he's interested in the subject so we've been blessed to do what we do um But is there a conspiracy to cover it up? I, I think that makes for good books.
0: Interesting question, because we see we see that a lot, like conjecture that the government knows these things are out there. The companies know that they're there and, you know, they don't want us to know about it. So interesting question, Matt. Thank you for that one. And then let me see. I had a great one here. Last question of the night. Cause we are past an hour and I want to be respectful of our guests time, but I think this is a great question from the Bigfoot influencers. Do you think hunters and hikers regularly walk by evidence and don't realize it?
2: Yep.
4: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. Shane has spoken to this quite a few times, you know, when you're out there hunting and I'm a hunter too, I'm, I'm looking for deer you know and that's the sign that i'm looking for i'm not looking for anything else and uh it it, it, you're hyper focused on what you're hunting you're not going to pay attention to other things most people most hikers and hunters have no thought of sasquatch at all and they could be they could walk on some tracks that don't have definable toes in them and not think a thing about them so, I believe it, I I think a lot of tracks are misidentified and not always misidentified known animals. You know.
4: I've had some guys at work tell me some Sasquatch stories, but they didn't know they were Sasquatch stories. They thought yeah. someone was just messing with them. They're up on Mount Rainier in a tent in the middle of nowhere and rocks are being thrown at the tent. So this automatically assume someone's just messing with them. Now, is that wise? You think in the middle of nowhere you're going to find a tent and just start throwing rocks at it? That's a good way to get shot, right? Another friend of mine has found, or not found, heard of a guy finding 16-inch tracks going through a mud bog. And that's very close to my house, right up here on the hill. So there's a lot of Bigfoot stuff. I don't think people put it together because they don't believe it, period. Oh, yeah.
1: Can I add an example to that? Reading this book, Matt Pruitt's book, The Phenomenal Sasquatch, he talks about pretty much what Todd just said. Uh, Pruitt was in a national park filming for a documentary, and a park ranger came up and asked him what they were doing, said making a Bigfoot documentary. The park ranger says, oh, I – I caught a guy, a uh, prankster, uh, a drunk prankster crossing the road in front of me one night.
2: Yep.
1: And he said, oh, you know, so you, you tracked him down and you, you got him. Well, no. Well, how did you know he was drunk? Well, because he walked weird and he crossed the road real fast. <laughs> yep. well, how, well, what makes you think it was a person then? Well, because Bigfoot's not real and it's like it's just yeah, that exactly. overwhelming belief yep. that Bigfoot isn't real that will make people i, I mean that person probably saw one <laughs> and just
2: yeah i talked to a bow hunter one time i was going into my an area that i researched in for years before it, the nest area and i was coming out and he's kind of looking at me funny he was going in he had an early tag and he saw the audio recorder on my head and i told him what i do and he's like ah i've been i've been hunting for 20 years and i've never seen or heard anything it's so like i'm not sure about it and and i started telling him what i was doing where he was going i was leaving audio recorders and stuff and i'm and, and at, the conversation rolled along, and all of a sudden he's like you know there's this one time <laughs> that i heard some sound like someone was hitting a tree with a baseball bat I never really thought about it until I started talking to you. If I did not talk to him, he had that experience. And he never put two and two together until he talked to me. And I'm like, well, it was either a human being or something else. So
4: That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I've had those conversations with guys at work so many times.
0: Just people that, like, don't have an agenda, maybe don't yeah. even have an interest in the subject matter, but they still had these experiences, it seems like.
4: I had a guy at work making fun of me because our film came out, and it was the cool thing to do is make fun of Todd and the, the office, you know, my construction shack. And then a couple weeks later, he pulls me aside. He goes, I got some stories to tell you up there on the peninsula on the reservations and he told, proceeded to tell me some crazy stories then he had his his buddy call me on the phone and the guy himself had had three sightings I said why, why are you talking so much crap to me in front of everybody and then you tell me these stories he's like I don't know because it's a <laughs> cool thing to do yeah. it's it's <laughs> idiotic you know it's, it's, it blows my
0: mind It really makes you wonder if we had more openness about it. And I I think we're getting better, but as a society, if we had more openness, how much more would we know, you know?
4: Yeah. It's it's frustrating the the way this subject is treated even to this day. And it's a lot better than it, it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, but it's still, it's not like something you talk about. And here in Washington, it's much more widely accepted than elsewhere. Look where Eli is. Eli himself didn't even think there were Sasquatch in Southern California until we started talking and he started looking into it. Yep.
1: There's a lot. There's, I wouldn't say a lot, you know, comparatively, you know, if you were to compare like sightings per county to Washington State, there's not much going on down here, but there's a lot more than you would expect. Like a lot more than
0: expect, well, we're gonna have to stay tuned. I guess that's a terrible way to close out the show, but no, this has been fascinating guys uh the, I've been so excited to have you up here for a long time. I know the audience has been looking forward to it, so thank you for the work you guys are doing. Thank you for letting Eli hang out with you so he could make this cool documentary for us all to watch. <laughs> hey,
1: you're
2: welcome you uh, It's my job. <laughs>
0: And yeah, thanks. Thanks, Eli. <laughs>
2: it's fun to finally see all the videos that Rebecca's been taking. <laughs> Todd's, heavily Todd's edited. Been teasing me
3: for years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Todd's been teasing me for years because he says you film us nonstop and then you don't post it anywhere. He said, because it's not ready yet. <laughs> like, well, like Chris was doing. It's the, not ready yet. Well, Chris was doing the audio study thing too so i didn't want to just be putting stuff out in little pieces i thought oh at the end we'll put it all together well it just kind of so happened that at the end of his audio study there's eli it it just worked out perfectly because i could never have put any of this together the way that he did and so i'm just overjoyed that i don't know all that's
1: Oh, I don't know what to say
3: to that. You
0: guys, lucky. You are lucky.
3: It means a a lot.
0: You guys are doing incredible work. So whatever it takes to get it out there in the world, I'm glad it's it's happening. (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you to our audience. Thank you to everybody for your questions and comments. Um, Like I say every week, apologies to any questions we couldn't get to. The fact is that there's too many of you who are way smarter than me and you always have great questions to ask. So we will see you next week for another show with somebody. I'm not even sure who yet, but we'll see you next week. Same time, same place and have a great night. You've been listening to the small town monsters broadcasting network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like review rating or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.